thank you, Nicholas, for being with us today. Um, you know, I've used you as a resource over and over throughout the years, and you're um, always there to, to give great advice and, and work with clients. And so I wanted to kind of bring you on here um, to chat a little bit more about um, your industry, um, being an architect, what you do um, in the industry and kind of the different projects that you're seeing, different trends you're seeing, and um, just overall um, connect. Sounds so good. yeah, so thank you for being here. Um, I'll let you take it away. I think you have a little presentation for us. All right, so what I went over with you and your team before, basically, you know, questions about whether or not uh, clients should tear down or build a new home. Um, we are an architecture firm. Uh, we do uh, everything from ground up construction to renovations, uh, interior design will help with selecting finishes, furniture, basically the whole thing. And a lot of times clients come into this uh, either wanting to do the teardown or wanting to do the renovation. And there, we found there are a bunch of factors to consider. Uh, you know, basically this is a very straightforward, uh, unadorned presentation, <laughs> but it gives, a, it gives useful information, we think. Um, you know, when you tear a house down, you're basically tearing tearing it down. You Sometimes you can leave a foundation, but the idea is that it's all gone. Um, you know, there's cost factors. You're essentially, you know, buying a home, tearing it down, building a new home. So some things to consider. There are time factors involved. You know, if you buy a home um, and you tear it down, you have to live somewhere else while the new home is being built. So, you know, that adds extra cost. Um, you know, our design process involved in whether it's a teardown or renovation are not that different. Uh, they're typically six or seven months. Um, and then, you know, construction can take a little bit longer sometimes um, uh, for renovation versus a teardown uh, based on like unknown conditions that you might come up with, that kind of thing. Um, so with renovation, um, basically you're picking away at an existing home. Um, you're going to maybe do partial demolition or you're gonna, you know, uh, gut it all the way. Um, but there are a number of things to consider. Sometimes people will buy a home because they love it so much and they just wanna improve the quality. So you might want to uh, upgrade the windows, the finishes, some interior layouts, a lot of times bathrooms and kitchens come into play there. Um, you know, the, um, the considerations are wide and in between. Um, sometimes we help clients before they actually uh, buy a home. So we'll work with someone like you, um, Ashley, to help uh, owners assess whether or not they can do a renovation and increase the space or change the space to what their ideals are uh, or look for some possible opportunities versus tearing it down. Um, so the process basically involves evaluation. Um, you know, it's useful to get a home inspection um, and it's also useful these days to get a home energy audit. Um, you yeah, know, that is coming up a lot more and more. To, to find out, I'm sorry. The energy, yeah, the, the energy audit. Yeah, so what that does is it, it, it gives you, um, you know, they can do a, like a blower door test, all of these things to help see 
and then a thermal imaging to help see where there's no insulation or where insulation is needed, how airtight the home is. Um, that's a big factor in how we design homes now, new homes, and it can be done to existing homes. Uh, so basically the air tightness improves the overall performance yep. coupled with insulation. Uh, yeah, and then, um, so, you know, the way we work, um, we love to get in early, obviously, um, um, yeah, but we do think it's actually useful. So getting into a home or an existing site or something like that can uh, help an owner visualize some things that they may not be used to uh, visualizing. It's, it's what we're trained to do. Uh, we can look for opportunities people may not have seen. And we can do things like identify like red flags. Um, in a place like Seattle, where you've got slopes, uh, you've got potential slides, slide zones, um, you've got liquefaction zones. You know, there are a whole bunch of factors that may make it more difficult, for example, to build a new home on or by replacing the old home. Um, and uh, because a site has so many limitations. So we can, we can actually provide some of that feedback early on before we're even hired to design anything. Um, but the way we work is, you know, according to some fairly traditional phases, um, what we call project delivery. Mm -hmm. So uh, schematic design is, uh, is the early stages where we develop concepts and it's like everything you want to see. Uh, that gets refined after some comments. Uh, typically, we like to have a general contractor on board after mm -hmm. that phase. Uh, what they do is they will uh, be part of a team, essentially, and uh, can offer really good uh, uh, input. Uh, as well as some rough order of magnitude kind of pricing. And yep. that helps us understand whether or not we're meeting the owner's budget mm -hmm. goals and things like that. So the design gets refined. Uh, we do design development where we start focusing a little bit more on some of the smaller details, making any changes. Um, and then it gets priced again. And mm -hmm. then we keep refining uh, until we do construction documents, which ends up being ultimately part of your agreement with the general contractor. So the general contractor will sign an agreement with the owner based on the construction document to contract documents. Mm -hmm. um, at some point between design development and construction documents, we're also applying for building permits, which in Seattle can sometimes take, you know, some time. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, de depending on, you know, whether or not there are ECAs, so environmentally critical areas, uh, that can be a little bit longer. Uh, if we have to work with a lot of consultants like geotechnical engineers, uh, you know, structural engineers, uh, other consultants, like all of this can add to um, sort of a complexity and a length of time uh, to a project. Um, once construction does start, we are there to provide what's called uh, construction administration. And we have weekly site visits. Um, you know, we don't make any changes, but we make sure that the contractor is essentially uh, doing the work that they said they would do. Um, uh, sometimes 
as you get into things like with renovations, you know, uh, a lot of clients sometimes see other things that they may not have seen while we're details the design process and details yeah. exactly there's always there's always those things that creep up after the fact <laughs> yeah and there's this thing that we call in our industry unforeseen conditions so it's like what's behind a wall that you assumed was there or that you had yeah. no way to know was there all of a sudden appears so it could be everything from like you know there's supposed to be a post there <laughs> holding up a roof <laughs> but there isn't you know uh, which is you know happens and um and so those kinds of things are addressed as we move through the construction process. So um, that's how we like to work at least. Yeah. Um, so this is a screenshot here of, uh, you know, new construction versus gut rehab. And, and just for those of you who do not know, gut rehab is essentially taking the building and completely gutting it and then building it back from the inside out, sometimes yeah. adding little additions or things like that. But you, you're essentially reconditioning an existing home, which we like typically. Uh, you, um, you end up conserving embodied energy uh, from materials that have already been used to build the home, that kind of thing. So, you know, we, um, so what's involved in permitting? Uh, Without getting into too much detail here, <laughs> just gonna, there's a lot here. Uh, but basically, you know, we 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 help identify the red flags. We help the client submit documents to the city, um, set up any appointments that might be necessary. Uh, if we have to have coaching, if there's some very complicated portion of a project that that needs more input or collaboration with someone at the city to define and come up with a consensus on, uh, mm -hmm. we assist with all of those kinds of things. Um, and there are ways that you can actually accelerate the building permitting process with the city. Uh, they have some priority green uh, programs. Uh, it's called priority green, uh, green building standards. There's some other incentives that the city has uh, developed in order to promote building green and building, uh, you know, more with more resiliency, basically. So those things tend to put you ahead of the, uh, the line, at, ahead of the line, and yeah. they run it through a little bit faster. So um, there's one other path, um, and this is where you can still do a substantial amount of work to your home but not go through a formal building permit process. And that's called a subject to field inspection. Um, that can be everything from reversing a stair to some structural work, um, you know, bathrooms, kitchens, those kinds of things. Uh, they basically, they give you an approval and then the contractors that work on parts of the project pull individual permits. So typically for like plumbing, electrical, mechanical. Um, so you're not doing anything like putting in windows, uh, new uh, insulation, things like that. You're just basically working largely within the shell. There's some exterior things you can do, but um, if you come up with a good strategy for the city, clear information. Um, we found that they're willing to go the extra mile to help you do something that's a little bit faster. 
-hmm. So it also decreases the burden on their stack of permitting uh, uh, projects that they have. So, they probably like clean paperwork and that if you provide clean paperwork and all your details, then you're more likely to push through the system faster. We really believe that that is the case. So we've had good experiences with making sure that we've got the right consultants, like the structural engineers, done all their calculations, done any detailed drawings. So it's very clear for uh, a permit technician to just see how the project uh, needs to be um, uh, permitted and that all the sort of we cross all of our T's dotted all of our I's and that's uh, uh, we pride ourselves in the completeness of our drawings typically um, so um, and we found that it's worked out well. Yeah. So. Um, I know one time when we had talked um, before um, there's a kind of a timeline of of which the city um, examines new permits or new new construction permits is that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, actually, can you clarify just a little bit? So it was when, uh, or when they're the design, maybe it's the design review, um, but it's like, I think you'd mentioned like October or they do it every like six months or something like that. Was there a timeline to when they review certain permits? No, they're just always. They're always going. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, Understanding when to start the process is really uh, is really useful. So you know if you have to get them to come out to do what's called a preliminary um, site evaluation, mm -hmm. um, to make sure that all the things that you're showing on like the site plan for the work is actually how it is. Mm -hmm. They also look at um, any conditions that um, that maybe need to be addressed. But if if you can get that started fairly quickly um, identify all the components of your project that starts the ball rolling a little bit faster as well. Are there seasonal um, time things that you need to take in consideration? Yes, uh, from the, what is it, the end of October to April, uh, there's a limit on, um, on, on sort of like, you know, ground uh, work that affects uh, the removal soil. of soil and things yeah. like that. Um, you can do work during this period, but they they will require a ton of monitoring, and that's extra expenses uh, to make sure that you're not, uh, you know, letting soil run down the street drains and things like that. Or so prime so prime building season, I guess, would be May through September. Yeah, get started basically in in May with your foundation okay. work and stuff like that, and then you're you're pretty good to go. You can keep rolling. So you should then plan for permits and start this process basically in that October, November timeframe prior. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's what maybe we had, had talked about this right, right. projects yeah. correctly. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, we, we, we have a little example here of, uh, you know, um, basically partial teardown um, or teardown really. And we'll show a house where we did uh, uh, sort of a gut rehab. But in, with this project, we run a steep slope, potential slide area, all of the things that you could have piled on. Uh, obviously, the building had the original house from 1940 was in a beautiful location, great views. We work with the owners to try to fit their program into it and couldn't really get the existing home to work. Uh, so we took everything down to the foundation. And the key there was working with our structural engineer 
keeping the foundation allowed us to not have to essentially reconstitute that side of the hill. Uh, we estimated it saved probably about $250,000 worth of work on this project. Uh, with this structural engineer, we were able to put pin piles, reinforce foundation where we needed to, to carry any additional loads. So, but essentially, you know, there's a sort of before photo here and then below it is the after. Um, the owners are willing to concede on a few things and ultimately uh, have, have exactly the kind of home that they want. But this is an example of a teardown. Um, and then- Did they buy this property before you did, did it or did they do a kind of an extensive feasibility on it? They actually bought it and okay. um, they, they thought that they could make something out of this. Like we were looking at removing the roof and using the existing uh, walls to create something else. The problem was the, the lower level, which opened to a view, uh, had like seven foot ceilings. And it really oh. limited our ability, our, their ability to see like, well, that's, that's essentially unusable space. So by taking everything down, we were able to create uh, eight and a half foot ceilings down there, all of this other stuff. Um, so, oh. yeah. Um, the This is a recently completed home uh, where the owners bought the house because they love the house. It's a very unusual house, um, uh, built probably around 1980, but it had some really funky things going, like the exterior is funky, but cool, but the interior was really funky and not cool. And so we took a lot of stuff out, um, but worked with a lot of features basically within the home and accentuated some of them. So the house is pretty vertical. So we actually opened up more areas that connected upper floors, lower floors. So you could hear like the kids' bedrooms ended up downstairs, the master bedroom on the third floor so that they could kind of keep tabs on what's going on in the house and improve the flow. Um, while doing this, we basically, you know, worked with the envelope. We kept a lot of the exterior finishes, but we put in all new windows, mm -hmm. created a small addition so that a better view of Lake Washington um, and insulated this. Um, this house is also an example where, you know, unforeseen conditions uh, came up. So the people who were experimenting with this house, like, you know, took a long, had a long leash on, <laughs> on that. And so there were, you know, places where posts should have been and weren't, uh, yeah. typical areas you'd expect it. So uh, it took a little bit more work, but working with our structural engineer, contractor we were able to work things out and then there was a hot tub platform that was not desirable let's put it that way and <laughs> so we built a a, a, a studio um, oh, yeah. at the end of their deck so um, it, it ended up meeting all of the requirements better bedrooms um, better uh, flow through the house and way better energy performance we um, we kept the existing uh, heat pump and rezoned the house so that we could uh, circulate and condition the, the house better and more efficiently as well. Nice. And it looks like maybe you took off a um, sunroom or some whatever that, that upper picture is. That little glass cover. Yeah. Yeah, that was like a glass greenhouse cover over the kitchen. It was oh. just plate glass, not insulated. Um, so 
it's a it was cool but like spectacularly inefficient and um and we removed it and we just extended that portion up that was the only area oh that, i see so you extended yeah. the whole entire thing out exactly oh, interesting yeah that was actually given the location of this house on the site um okay. it, it was the only place that we could add yeah. on to the home yeah um we also uh extended out the uh the entrance so that there's a canopy above the entryway got it mm -hmm. very cool yeah so um you know we're big proponents of um uh building efficiently and actually building to a, a better standard um the building codes are going in that direction um there are a lot of resources out there. I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the city of Seattle is even incentivizing this. Um, you know, and as we look around and energy costs just keep, well, they will keep going up. Um, you know, one of the really good ways to tackle existing and new uh, uh, buildings is by building into a standard that probably 10 years from now, like, five years from now, all the building codes will essentially have, which is mm -hmm. like a passive house type of construction. And can you define passive house? Yeah. So passive house is in a, in a nutshell, it's like you're super insulating a home so that you reduce by a large margin uh, um, um, the energy consumption. So uh, it doesn't mean that you can't open windows and doors or anything like that, um, but it does mean that by being super insulated, um, your energy use is low, your uh, um, airflow, the sort of the, the clean air intake and, and uh, exhaust throughout the house mm -hmm. is filtered. So you have a very clean home. Um, you have a um, very, very resilient home. So it's, it's sort of like built to last a long time. And um, these are these are qualities that used to be the standard. We kind of went away from that a little bit because uh, we could air condition things cheaply and heat them cheaply. But now that that's changing, we're kind of coming back. And through the use of building science um, and modeling, we understand that there are qualities in homes um, that we can improve to make them more resilient and uh, lasting for the the coming future so yeah. or there's things also in the outside environment you don't necessarily want in your interior of your home too right and so all the air when the windows and doors are all closed all the air that comes into the house which is mechanically supplied um yep. is filtered uh to a high degree so it's it's one of the cleanest environments you can actually build so what is the difference between passive and net zero Net zero um, passive house, by the way, gets you very close to making a home net zero. It's just one next step. Mm -hmm. uh, net zero essentially means that you're, you, you know, the, the 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 performance of the house is is self sufficient. Um, that you are using a lot of materials that uh, that have a reduced or low impact. Um, on CO2 emissions mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the, uh, um, the, the passive house uh, 
net zero program basically allows for you, know, you can add um, uh, solar panels to a home. Got it. So and, basically, and, all the energy, everything, it's net zero being it's not um, creating any more energy that the house isn't consuming or or exactly need. okay. Yeah. And then materials, as far as um, what you see, I mean, is it timber? Is it steel? Is it what are the um, the combination? It de yeah. Depending on the house and the structure itself, uh, you know, using using uh, lumber is still uh, is a pretty good way to go these days um, because it comes from sus largely sustainable and, and um, uh, replenishable resources. Um, you know, steel, concrete use a lot of energy in the manufacturing process uh, and they deplete resources. Um, so, you know, wood is good is a good way to go. Um, yep. There are a lot of insulation materials coming out that, um, that are more uh, eco-friendly as well. So. Mm -hmm. And is there, if you just baseline, let's say green, a green build, what is it, just for those who don't know, um, what is that? What is a baseline? Yeah, baseline for a green built home. So it would be um, it would be the, you know really good insulation. Mm -hmm. um, it would be airtight. So uh, meaning when they do a blower door test, there's there's no air leakage, um, which is the, the biggest way that we lose uh, efficiency in homes. Um, you have uh, high performance windows, um, and they are not like on a north wall, for example. They're more on the south wall where you, the sunlight can passively assist in heating the home. Um, so uh, Energy Star appliances, um, those things combined largely um, give you a good baseline. Yep, and I imagine light fixtures too. All the light fixtures yeah. and, you know, and, and a reduction in the amount of light fixtures. Uh, um, you know, uh, controlling things like vampire loads, you know, mm -hmm. like your chargers, things like that. Um, those are all strategies that can help you achieve a better baseline. So say for is, is there anything in that design process? And actually, let's open it up to maybe the net zero or more of the passive um, homes that is always, I guess, the kind of the bare big or bigger um, discussion of how just a like uh, is it the heating is it more of the uh, finish quality is it the roof the structure like what is the biggest are we talking costs impact? yeah co i think costs yeah, yeah. yeah so the it, it's during during the construction process um you know building something like a passive house requires a few additional steps and a little bit more material like insulation for example uh, mm -hmm. the additional steps are you know making sure all the seams are taped so when you have your plywood sheathing and things like that 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 all of it is very carefully controlled um, that so that you don't let the air basically come in um, you know in terms of foundations and things like that we put a fair amount of insulation underneath the uh the slabs uh because the slabs draw um draw the heat down into the ground and it's a dissipating effect so you know mostly it's in the construction um you know the appliances the 
interior finishes, those kinds of things are all pretty much like you might have in any kind of home. Um, and as far as the exterior finishes, it's, it's just in the way that they're installed. So they're installed over a much better controlled envelope in general. The windows and doors yep. add a little bit of cost. Yeah. Got it. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, anything else you want to touch on those? I know that, you know, we've had an offline discussion about, you know, um, building standards and, and um, how I guess I view just building in general, it's always good to use high quality materials, obviously keeping energy use in mind, um, because we're not, you're not building now for now, you're building now for the future. And, you know, we all know when you walk into a house that's, you know, 100 to 120 years old, um, or even older, um, you, you always say, oh, this house has great bones, right? Like, right. because because of the materials that were used, and they're still there in place um, today uh, with a little maintenance probably, but um, that is really what we should all be aspiring to build because the alternative is building things that are plastic that, you know, or, you know, plastic fill board, all those things that end up ultimately in, you know, uh, either coming to the ground or ends in the landfill. So. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, it's a little bit like to us, uh, you know, it's important to look at a home not as a not as like a, a product in the way that we view products these days. You know, it's something that can be torn down and rebuilt. Like that's very wasteful. Um, you know, home is a place where you know you have family or you live. It's kind of like a you know sanctuary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and so you know, treating that in a way that is um, friendly to you, uh, friendly to the environment makes a lot of sense, you know, the, um, and so it, with that in mind, you know, when you're building, uh, you know, building something that's resilient, building something that's long lasting, uh, it, to us seems like it's important. Um, you know, we have this feeling uh, that if you do build to a, a, a better standard, so something like passive house or very close to passive house, you know, that you will have a house that's as efficient as it needs to be, you know, five, 10, 15 years out and beyond. Um, so, you know, investing a little bit more uh, now, uh, you know, in order to build something that does stand uh, the test of time uh, seems like a good value. You know, we, we work with houses that were built, uh, you had mentioned earlier, you know, like, like yeah, up until like the 60s or 70s around there, yeah. like houses were built pretty well. Like, you know, we recently did a renovation in Bellevue where there's a house that was built in 59. And when you walk through it and you look at how the architect designed, you know, where the living room is, uh, where the dining room is relative to other spaces and the site itself, it's really impressive because the way the sun tracks through the house and to the types of uses is um, is meaningful and useful. And we were able to capitalize on it in the design yep. that we did in the renovation. But like, you know, building to those qualities um, makes a lot of sense and gets you a long way to uh, a uh, well-performing home. Yeah, versus just maybe the 70s or 80s, maybe even some 90s 
um, construction where you, you know, um, non-sustainable materials being used, the houses are falling apart, those yep. different elements of, you know, where it sits on the lot and the orientation, all that stuff is kind of out the door. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we see plenty of that, that too. And it's really actually hard to remodel those homes. And like, you know, you, you like, what do I even do? And it's no, you scrape it and you build something new because putting the money to salvaging something like this makes zero sense. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it, it, again, it makes the house, uh, more like a product. It's like mm -hmm. this, this thing that just appeared and yep. doesn't, doesn't last. So, yep. you know, there's no heart, there's no soul. Um, and, uh, and, and the purpose seems fleeting. And so I think the attitude is hopefully shifting more where people realize that there's a value to, um, yep. the argument to that would be that, you know, affordable housing and you have to kind of make everything fit. But I also think that that it still translates to be building to the future, because even so. though you're saving the money now. You're going to be spending that money, you know, later on rehabbing or you know rebuilding or doing whatever. So it's almost like you, you know, even though it does cost more now, depending on even whatever price range you're in, you don't have to be in an uber luxury home to spend a little extra to get the benefit on the the end, you know, um, for the lower yeah. range homes too. Yeah, and you know, there's the, 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 there's something that you mentioned, you know, when you're building affordable housing or even new housing, you know. Uh, the, the, the tendency has been to build huge, um, mm -hmm. you know, because we think we need all this space. But if you take the time to think about what spaces you really need, um, and you can make a house less big, for example, um, and you have more green space around you, or with with affordable housing, you know, you pare things down to the basic minimal qualities that somebody needs to or a family needs to live comfortably you know you can really scale things down and that cost realization um becomes a, a value in itself when it's yeah. so nope and that's true and that that again is life choices of and we live in 950 square feet right mm -hmm. and we and we just did a remodel on our place um and really just de like got rid of a whole bunch of stuff like going almost like minimalism um making better use of the space that we're living in because we are getting rid of things that just don't you know matter that are more maybe not materialistic but um just stuff right stuff. um you, yeah. you don't need and when you declutter like that you kind of learn wow this space is is large you know this feels right. like larger i can't believe how much extra space you have so it yeah. is it's keeping those things in mind too Absolutely. And, you know, there are things that when you do that kind of thing, uh, when you do that kind of like remodeling or renovation, you know, uh, if you have the opportunity to change out one or two windows to allow better light, for example, all of a sudden a room feels different. You know, yep. there, there are things that can be done that, that don't mean you have to completely tear it down or do a full gut rehab, but small gestures can can take uh, places a long way um, and increase the, the quality that of the, of the interior environments. Lighting yep. does a great job in that regard as well. Mm -hmm. Skylights too. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, not as efficient always, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'll keep that in mind. Totally. Yeah, good. Um, so what are these designations, I guess, that uh, agents could look into? So the uh, National Association of Realtors has a green designation. So I, I believe it's like a 
it's like both of these are have some kind of certification um, um, attachment to it. So you go through some basic training and you understand what uh, what a green building is basically as a realtor so that you can talk, talk to your clients about it. Um, the Earth Advantage program from what we can tell actually is working to make a case for establishing a value, um, meaning that it becomes down the line, hopefully like we personally would like to think here as well, that, there, that if you do build to a higher standard or a more resilient standard, that the, that the in, inherent value in the house um, it, uh, in the short term and the long term is greater than a house that's built next to it that takes none of those things into consideration. So um, that we're very hopeful for programs like this. Um, and um, you know, below, below that we have what we work with uh, uh, passive house stand standards. So that I mentioned before, mm -hmm. um, it's more for the design side. And um, uh, it's not the only green building standard that's out there, but we think it's the most useful one. Um, Got so. it. So when, let's say the Earth Advantage, um, so are they looking to make certifications on certain properties with their name that are up to this certain code? Um, yeah. They're trying to do, okay. Gotcha. They, they have like an evaluator program. And um, so it, it does like a, you know, like a home inspection, but the, all the green qualities. Uh, Got it. So. So in theory, someone, is there any, any other um, inspections? Because in theory, if you're buying a home that's maybe a green or, you know, uh, passive or whatnot, and you're a buyer and that's being marketed, I don't think a lot of the times that other um, buyers recognize the name, right. um, but wouldn't think of hiring a secondary inspector to maybe come out and see exactly, you know, the ins and outs of that. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming those people exist. Is it through any of these programs or what is through these, um, there are independent inspectors as well that are doing this kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, uh, as, as things get documented with like the city and stuff like that, you know, uh, in the future, being able to find out to what standard a home was built will become much more um, accessible to people. So mm -hmm. they can easily look up you know, building permit histories with the building department, yep. things like that. There may not be a plaque on the building itself, but, you know, that information will be there for that property. And, um, and that'll give people a, a very quick understanding of, of, um, of what the value is or what the house's standards are. So yeah, that was very cool. Mm -hmm. I didn't really think about it in that way, but I think that that's a, definitely a good good way of looking at it. And for buyers who are out there, like I said, looking at, at homes that are being advertised or marketed or built as um, green homes should should definitely do their due diligence. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think we pretty much touched on everything we had on our little agenda today. Okay. Um, thank you always for being such a great resource um, for all clients. And I know I recently had a listing also that came up that you... Um, provided a whole workup on in terms of what you know can be allowed and used on that that space and i think you're a great resource for agents because you could do that quickly and and provided renderings and just general advice so again i thank you for your time and and uh everything that you've done for me in the past so you're the best 
<laughs> Likewise, Ashley. Yeah, good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I hope you have a wonderful uh, weekend and um, we'll be in touch. Sounds good. Thank All you right. very much.